If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. I'm your host, Tara Bradner, doctorate nurse practitioner and fertility coach. And we are on episode four of our September PCOS Awareness Month series. And today we're going to cover lifestyle for PCOS and cares you can do moving forward to help manage this disease for a lifetime. Let's recap though. So I want to go back and you can go back to episodes one, two, or three, but let's just review what PCOS is and all the things that go along with it. So we know that 10% of women are affected by PCOS and that when you have this disease, you have higher levels of androgens, which is male hormones. In turn, this interferes with normal production of female hormones such as estrogen. For example, this results in our ovaries filling with cysts or creating immature follicles that do not generate eggs each month. So along with reduced fertility in women with PCOS, now this doesn't mean that you will necessarily have infertility with PCOS, but you can, but it does mean you are at risk for type 2 diabetes, heart disease, sleep apnea, anxiety, mood disorders, and so many other diseases that we know go along with PCOS. So we reviewed symptoms of PCOS and things you should look for. High level overview of that is weight gain, inability to lose weight or a sudden weight gain that kind of came out of nowhere, excessive hair growth or abnormal hair growth to your face or chest or legs or back or really anywhere. It's that thick hair growth, thick black hair growth, irregular periods or no period at all, acne. Sometimes some women do see multiple cysts on ovaries, all of the other symptoms that we discussed in our previous episodes. We discussed how it's diagnosed. We went over this really deep on the ugly truth of diagnosing PCOS, often involves symptoms, blood tests, and at times, depending on what criteria you follow, ultrasound. What causes PCOS? No one knows the exact cause of PCOS. It's thought that women with PCOS frequently have a mother or sister or somebody within the family that has it, but there's not enough evidence to support this genetic link at this time. We know many women with PCOS have weight problems, so they're looking at the relationship. So researchers are looking at the relationship between PCOS and our body's ability to use insulin. 
So as I've stated in past episodes, I truly believe your care plan moving forward with PCOS should be individualized to your needs. Each of you is unique and therefore your plan moving forward needs to be unique. However, we know that nutrition and lifestyle has been shown effective in helping manage PCOS. And there's certain aspects of this term lifestyle that everyone can use across the board. Now, once again, I'm going to say it again and again and again. It should be individualized, but today we're going to talk about certain pieces that can be uh, for everyone across the board. And one of them is managing your blood sugars. So what does that mean? So we do not want you to avoid carbs. That is a myth. But instead, we want to be careful and watch for what your source of carbs is. But another thing we want to do is making sure you pair your carbs with a source of protein, healthy fat and fiber at each meal, protein specifically. One of my number one nutrition management tips is pairing protein with every meal and every snack. Why is this? Because protein takes approximately five hours to digest and metabolize where carbs are 30 minutes. So if you pair that protein with that carb, you're kind of blunting that insulin from spiking and it's slowing down how your body uses that insulin. Healthy fats, I recommend for everybody as well. Ideas for those would be olive oil, avocado oil, nuts, seeds, coconut oil, coconut flour, olives, nut butters, salmon, tuna, fish oil, and ground flax. Putting just a little bit of ground flax in your smoothies can have a significant positive impact on your insulin. There is some talk about going gluten-free or dairy-free, and I truly think this should be based on each individual. I think if you have a sensitivity to those things, then you should cut them out. One way to test this if you don't have the funds to go forward with a sensitivity testing is to simply cut out one of those items and see what the next two to four weeks does for your symptoms. So for example, go gluten-free for two to four weeks. Do you see any improvement in your symptoms or any positive improvements to your overall health? If so, then keep it out of your diet. If not, slowly bring it back into a few meals and see if you notice anything. It's process of elimination that I recommend for many of my patients. Incorporating five to seven servings of vegetables and fruit per per day can be helpful. My favorites are those really green leafy vegetables, berries, 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 making sure that you eat every three to four hours. I always lean towards three. We want to avoid your blood sugar diving and doing a roller coaster effect is how I explain to my patients. Well, if you go long periods of time without eating, you're going to have this dive in your blood sugar that's happening. And then when you eat, you're going to spike it and your body tends to hold on to fat longer that way. So we really want to make sure you're eating more often. So right off the bat, if you're one of those people who goes long periods of time without eating, this can be a really effective thing to incorporate today into your lifestyle. I like the 80-20 mindset just for everybody. So what does that mean? So if you're going to a wedding, a birthday party, or an event, and some of your most favorite foods are there or drinks, indulge. Do not withhold this stuff from you for life. Just know that we have to enjoy events and things, and sometimes that means food. So unless you have a severe sensitivity that you know is going to cause awful side effects from eating it, I say 80-20 mindset with it and enjoy those foods, enjoy the events, enjoy those traditions. Many of us have family traditions that involves food. So I don't want you to think, oh, I can never have this again. 
I want you just to have a mindset the next meal or the next day or when you return home, you're going to go back to your lifestyle of PCOS eating. And really, this goes for anything, fertility eating, uh, whatever you're following for your nutrition plan, 80-20 mindset. We want to avoid keto. Now, there's some hot topics out there on that, but one of them is that women with PCOS should avoid going keto. Now, don't come at me. If it works and you've tried it and you're following it and you enjoy it, then go for it. But it's just something to consider that perhaps it might not be the best one for you to follow. Meal prep. I am all about meal prepping. So pick a day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Monday. Pick the best day of the week for you and meal prep. I promise, promise, promise if you do this, you will have a better mindset moving forward into the week for your nutrition. I wash all my produce and cut it up right away. I put it into baggies or into containers and I have it ready to grab and go. That's part of my meal prep. I have found that if I do not do the simplest things, such as washing and preparing my produce right away, it will sit in there and grow mold and I'll have a science experiment going on in my fridge. So take that and give it a try. Instapots, crock pots, and air fryers. Now, I know these can be kind of spendy, but we're moving into fall, so it's the time of year that I love doing more crock pot meals. But I have found that since getting an Instapot, an air fryer, and a crock pot in my house, it has made meal planning and meal prep way easier. As I talked about earlier, some of us may have food sensitivities. So another thing you can consider for your lifestyle is doing a food sensitivity test. There's so many out there, many can be done at home. And so if it feels right for you, I recommend trying them. Many are allowed to use their HSA or flex benefits to purchase these tests. Develop an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. So what does this mean? Eat more foods that are antioxidant rich, such as fruits, like I talked about earlier, our berries, our dark leafy greens, adding omega-3 fatty acids, and foods that contain that, such as fish, salmon, um, anti-inflammatory spices and herbs. These usually look like garlic, turmeric, ginger, cooking with those spices or including them somehow in meals throughout the week can be helpful. Adding nuts and seeds to your snack, and there's some talk, and I'm going to go deeper on this because I think I'm going to try it myself, but seed cycling has a really nice anti-inflammatory effect. So stay tuned, more to come on my experience with that. Eat less fried foods, processed foods, foods that have added sugars, sodas, pops, um, anything with refined grains, artificial colors, flavors, sweeteners, trans fat, really work hard at eliminating that. I know it may seem like, duh, Tara, that's obvious, but really looking at that 80-20 mindset for the week and working to pull some of those items out if you do have a higher intake of them throughout the week. Exercise. So what does that look like for those of you with PCOS? One thing you can do if your schedule allows is going for a walk after meals because we know that this can help stabilize blood sugars. We do this with our actual diabetic patients. We recommend that as well. We also recommend weights or strength training three times a week. We know that this can help increase your muscle mass. And when you have an increase in muscle mass, your body's better able to use insulin. So finding a program that you enjoy. And I want to pause right there because my number one rule of exercise is that you enjoy it. So finding something that you like, not something that feels forced or pressured or, oh, I'm going to wake up and do this. No, I want you to find what it is that you enjoy, and that's what you're going to do for exercise for the week. Our overall goal is about 150 minutes per week, 
And there's some discussion on if doing HIIT exercises should be decreased or limited with those with PCOS. One goal for now you can try for is just doing those two times a week, but we just don't want you to get too stressed out. That messes with our insulin levels. That is a thought process behind that. Some tips and ideas might be yoga. If you never tried it, try to incorporate some yoga. Yoga is not only good for your physical body, but for our mental health. I recently started it. I'm still trying to find my love for it, but I do try to do some meditation yoga work throughout the week. Okay, the big S word. I might as well call it a cuss word, but stress. Why does stress impact your PCOS? So when we have a body that is under pressure or has higher levels of stress, this increases our cortisol levels in the body. What does cortisol do? It raises our blood sugar. What does that do? It can lead to insulin resistance and can also increase our DHEA levels, which is one of those androgen levels, one of those male hormones. So that is a high level overview of why we want to be cautious and aware of our stress throughout the week. So we really want to implement techniques to manage our stress, prioritize taking care of you, prioritize being happy. No matter what is going on around us in this world, the one thing we can take care of and control is taking care of us, loving us, being happy and doing things to implement that type of lifestyle. I try not to use the word self-care so much because that can be overwhelming and one more thing you have to do. But ultimately, it comes down to what makes you happy, what makes you feel good, and how can you better take care of you today and moving forward? Sleep. So we want to aim for seven to eight hours of high quality sleep. What does that mean? You're not tossing and turning. You're not waking up. You are going to bed. You have a sleep routine that consists of, for the most part, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time. We know that those that have six and a half hours or less of sleep per night is linked to higher fasting insulin levels and insulin resistance. Do we see the theme here? Everything we do with PCOS impacts our insulin levels and our insulin resistance. So poor sleep can lead to sugar cravings, carb cravings. And so we just want to be cautious of that. Our sleep cycles on a circadian rhythm, just like our hormones are. Adding cinnamon. So there's some discussion out there on adding one or two tablespoons of cinnamon on cereal or in your shakes can help decrease insulin resistance and help better manage and regulate our insulin levels. Another good supplement that I didn't talk about on that episode, but chromium is also known to help regulate our insulin levels. Portion sizes, once again, I know this seems obvious, but we know that when you regulate your portion sizes, it can help to moderate glucose load that we have within our bodies going on and minimize insulin resistance. If nothing else, work on getting that heart rate up at least 30 minutes a day of exercise. Studies have shown that exercise can improve insulin sensitivity as well as help with weight control. So these are just a few hopeful hints for you moving forward. As always, remember, my inbox is always open. If you're struggling with PCOS or have any questions in regards to how you can better care for it, please reach out to me. Don't forget, if you haven't done so, download your free PCOS checklist made by a doctorate nurse practitioner and fertility coach to help you better understand aspects of this disease. Thank you for listening to Hopeful Hints. I will see you back here next week, Tuesday.